Welcome back to another episode of Beer Time with Books. It is episode 30. Pew, 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 pew. We've 30. been doing a lot of those recently. <laughs> yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of air horns, but this one is warranted. Episode okay. 30. That's pretty nuts, guys. That is huge. Yeah, that's a huge, real guys. adult of a podcast. I've never done 30 of anything. <laughs> yeah, this is the unprecedented territory. Uh, but also, other little event going on right here. Happy birthday to the pod. We started at the end of November in 2018, and we recorded our last episode a little bit earlier into November, so we passed the birthday, but we are officially two years old. Wow. Wow. So, so while we are simultaneously an adult podcast, we're also a wee baby. <laughs> we're a toddler. We're, we're a toddler. Two years, man. Wow. 2018. Two, two years, man. <laughs> two years. We're old and, and wise. <laughs> So yeah, just a couple milestones there. Feeling good about that, uh, and excited because this is the last book episode of season two. We are looking at the back half of Oryx and Crake. Yeah, let's I'm do it. I'm pumped for the last episode. I have already nailed down my top three. <laughs> it's already been decided. Just so I everyone knows. I am so stressed. I'm Look behind. forward to the next episode. Yeah, for everyone that's unfamiliar, the last episode of this season is a uh, bit of a award show. Yeah. That also has a category of worst. It's, it's highly, highly anticipated by uh, multiple people. <laughs> All of our loyal listeners. Yes. Really look forward to it. Um, I do not know what I'm going to say the worst book is, though. Is that um, surprising? I have oh, my man. top three. I don't know what the worst one is. Yeah, you know, our our worst one last year was Vineland, correct? Mm-hmm. Was mine? So, I think mine might not have been. No, yours was Hitchhikers. No, yeah. no, no, yours wasn't. Yours wasn't Vineland, but I... I don't know. I don't know that I have a contender, like a like a top contender for worst this year. Like I last year it was very clear to me. Mm-hmm. Not because I think Vineland is a terrible book quality wise, <laughs> but because I really didn't enjoy it. Well, we're gonna post a seven book picture for everybody to show all the books from the season on Instagram, Beer Time with Books. Uh, we'll also have the beers from this episode. And because apparently we haven't done it, we'll post another episode for any of you new listeners for the first seven, because this is now 14 books on the pod. Not Uh, another episode, another picture. Sorry, another picture. (laughs) Um, So that's all going to be going down on Instagram. And uh, yeah, those will be some exciting times ahead. But in the meantime, we have a couple things to kick out before we get to our discussion on part two of Oryx and Crake and... The first matter of business is, what are you drinking? What are you drinking tonight? Uh, who wants to start on this one? I'll start. Go for it. Uh, this is Danny. I uh, am currently drinking a Boulevard Nutcracker Winter Warmer. Um, and I trekked 15 minutes one way in the cold. Um, it's a Kansas City tradi- tradition. You have to. You got to trek 15 minutes to get your <laughs> Boulevard Nutcracker. I had to trek 15 minutes. Um, it's because I walked to the grocery store downtown to uh, to get my um, beer this evening. Um, and I'm already on my second Nutcracker. Um, 
So things are, uh, you know, this Friday evening is shaping up to be pretty good. Yeah, we've been trying to wrangle a dog who's still <laughs> right around a couple mics. So if you hear any noises again, this is just a, a, a classic warning at this point that you may hear some excess noise. But I feel like it's also a tradition to get some, uh, you know, extra drinks in for the penultimate episode because this was the Northwest episode last year where... We got uh, pretty tipsy and pretty testy on some arguments. Oh, yeah. We were mad at each other. Because uh, we had some heavier drinks that evening. We need to go back and listen to that episode. Yes. <laughs> that was a good Maybe one. our most contentious episode. But uh, regardless, Jamie, what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, something that we've probably had on the pod before. It's oh, a, we've definitely had. It's been a, on the winter pod a lot. classic. Uh, the Isolation Ale from Odell Brewing Co., which... I'm pretty sure they only put out in the winter. I think it's a seasonal uh, beverage. Yeah, it's seasonal. Isolation, you know, very topical. Very it, yeah. it feels extremely topical this year. Um, I don't know what kind of beer this is. Uh, I think it's it's brown in some way, <laughs> but it doesn't say. It doesn't specify. Like it's not an IPA. It's not a red. I don't know what it is, but it's good. And I like getting it every year in the winter. So, a brown in some way beer. It's like darker, <laughs> I think. I don't know. Uh, this is Brian. I am drinking a Tallgrass Brewing Company oatmeal cream stout called Buffalo Sweat. It is about as appetizing as that sounds. <laughs> I disagree. I it's d- not that bad. Can you can Look, you explain okay. what it tastes so, like? What is it what does it taste like? So it's it, kind of sweet. Yeah, it definitely has a sweeter edge and I don't know that I want a ton of sweetness with my stouts necessarily. At least not right now. For a time I think I did, but recently that hasn't been uh hasn't been hitting. I bought those because I drank a lot of Buffalo Sweat in college, and I don't know, I don't remember why. I feel like one of my friends really liked it or something. I remember liking it in college. I saw it at our liquor store, and I was like, it felt very nostalgic, so I bought it. And then Brian was like, it's fine. (laughs) And I said, it's just not the best. There are. Hates there this are beer. better stouts. It doesn't mean I'm not gonna drink it. I like uh, I like beer. I'm gonna drink a beer <laughs> on beer time with books. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, decent. It's actually also a Midwestern brew um, from Wichita, Kansas. Which that's hey. something I did not know actually. Tallgrass, it's a local brewing company. So repping some Midwest here. So that's what we're drinking. And now we have. Our recent media section, one or two highlights since the last episode, uh, which encompassed a Thanksgiving break. So there was a lot of opportunity to get uh, get some media in. So I guess we'll go back around same order. Recent media, Danny? Yeah, a lot of content. I don't know. So much content this year. Um, Will and I have finished The Crown. We finished British baking show. Um, There's your two. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No more. Absolutely not. Um, the the crown phenomenal as usual. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, I spoiling this is not a spoil. history. Are you kidding me? You're, you're about to spoil some history right now. Well, I don't. 
just like what the show covers, <laughs> I guess. I uh, I listened to a pod, like a whatever. I, we, I think I talked about this last time. I listened to a five-part podcast about like Princess Diana um, before watching the season of The Crown. And I'm surprised at like what the season covered about Diana's life and didn't cover. Um, specifically, I think uh, I just like recency bias made me expect more Diana content than I <laughs> like than we got. Um, but turns out there were other things happening besides Princess Diana's trials and tribulations um, during this time. Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought she got a lot of coverage. So that's kind of interesting because we she, just finished it too. So just to hear that is an interesting perspective. But I mean, I get yeah, she did. But I also like I abs like this is what five episode like seven to eight nine hours of content <laughs> regarding Princess Diana, and so I just. I don't know. There were there were some things I was surprised. Nine more hours of Diana. I expected <laughs> ten full hours of Diana only. Um, but um, loved the Crown as per usual over Thanksgiving break. I um also like read a tiny bit of like the um, the behind the scenes like coffee table book of the Crown like season one. Um, that is basically just like um everything that you would love to know about the crown um and i i don't know that they plan to do it for every season but um it was very interesting to just like it's like so dense and it's just like a history book related to the crown and talks about like what it gets wrong and what um it gets right and like what it doesn't cover and um so uh i enjoyed like um i enjoyed reading that delving into that um i only get one more piece of media i guess um (laughs) Uh, I also recently, I just finished, um, uh, Kylie Reed's book, uh, Such a Fun Age. It's kind of a popular, like, contemporary novel right now. Um, I think it came out this year or late last year. Um, and I, it was, like, a roller coaster of a book for me. It covers, like, race and class and status and millennials. I don't know, generational. It's, like, all, there's so much covered, um, I was really impressed with everything that um, that the author was like able to address in this book, um, and like I went through like very intense periods of like really really liking it and really really not liking it, which like I don't feel happens very often. Like normally when I start a book, I'm like, I pretty much know where this is like how I'm gonna feel about this book. Um, but like even by the end, I was like, kind of I don't know. I was on the fence about how I felt, so um, I recommend it. I think it's uh, I think it's an important uh, an important read. So. Um, such a fun age by Kylie Reed. Cool. Yes. Um, I started listening to a podcast recently called Dead Eyes that is on the HeadGum Network, and I listen to a lot of HeadGum shows. Um, and I had heard about this podcast like a while ago. This guy was a a guest on a different podcast that I listened to, and also and whatever. But then I didn't think about it, uh, and then it was on a list from like the New York Times or NPR or something of the best podcasts of 2020. And I was like, okay, I remember hearing about this and it sounds ridiculous. So I'll start listening to it. And I've only listened to a few episodes, but the premise of this podcast, it's called Dead Eyes. It's this guy, uh, Connor Ratliff, 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 who is an actor. He's in um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He's Hmm. the... The, the weird guy at the summer camp with Susie. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's an actor, and he, <laughs> he made this podcast to explore something that happened when he was really young, like in his 20s. 
And essentially, it is like cereal about something really stupid. Like it's set up like cereal, but about something really stupid. And the stupid thing is that when he was in his 20s, his very first acting gig that he ever got cast in was as a very small part in the show Band of Brothers. Um, But then Tom Hanks saw his audition tape and told the casting director, I don't like that guy. He has dead eyes. And then he (laughs) lost the job because Tom Hanks said that about him. Damn. Nice guy, Tom Hanks. Shit. Ripping you a new one. So the whole podcast is him, like, kind of investigating this. Like, he's trying to get get in contact with, like, the casting director who fired him and with, like, all these different people. He's trying to work up the courage to contact Tom Hanks and, like, re-audition for him. But he's also interviewing a bunch of his, like, other actor friends about their failures in the acting industry so it's really it's like a goofy kind of serious weird show like the second episode is him talking to John Hamm who he starred in a play with at Mizzou like before John Hamm was a real actor so it's just very it's all over a the real place actor I mean before he was like famous before uh, Mad Men, he was not a real actor. Before, before he was John Hamm. You know what I mean. <laughs> Anyways, it's very goofy. I've listened to like the first three episodes, and it's there's 14 episodes right now. There's not a lot, but it's I'm enjoying it. Uh, and I started reading a romance book called Get a Life, Chloe Brown, which is just for fun for me because I needed something light. Uh, and I like it so far. <laughs> I don't have much else to say about it. But, light yeah. in the book, light on the pod. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I need. Good stuff. And uh, for me, a couple shows uh, for Thanksgiving break. Jamie and I just ripped through Queen's Gambit. Uh, just like oh, also Queen's Gambit. Just in like... <laughs> Pretty much two days, I think. Yeah, it was like two or three days we watched all of Queen's Gambit. Which it's been a while since we've had a four-episode run, especially for episodes that are like longer than 30 minutes. But we did a four-episode run on like that first night, I think, of the break or maybe the second night. But uh, I liked that a lot, and I thought it was really well done for something that is just like I feel like could be hard to translate like chess on screen. Obviously, there's so much more to it with uh, substance abuse issues and different things like that. Uh, but I just thought it was very stylish, uh, very hip. I thought the story was really well done, and I've been playing a little chess on chess.com. I'm one of the statistics. I'll admit it. I'm one of the statistics on chess.com. Chess.com? <laughs> Chess.com. What? Chess.com. They have, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say chess.com a bunch. Chess.com. Chess.com sounds like when you're like little and you like are, you like want to see something like kind of raunchy online. So you search like <laughs> boobs.com yeah. or something. Just and something like, very basic until you get a hit. Yeah. Chess.com. Like, yeah. Just like, oh, I'm interested in pencils. Pencils.com. Yeah. Like that's what I don't understand. Queen on queen. <laughs> chess.com. Uh, so, so anyway, chess.com helps teach you like some of those moves and like helps explain because a lot of times they're just like in the show they're like yeah the sicilian but they never say what it is officially like you can see it on the board but they're like yeah the sicilian defense so i like have learned what the sicilian defense is and different (laughs) things like that um so yeah that was a very good show 
Um, and I'm curious about how that book is. I know some people have said that the book is uh, I know. I'm good. real interested in reading the book now. Yeah. Also, I thought it was based on a true story for the first three episodes. I, I did briefly. I, I looked up, I think, after like the first episode. I was like, Queen's Gambit like, real? Question. <laughs> I, <laughs> Queen's Gambit real? <laughs> I really wanted it to be based on a true story. I did, too. Yeah. Uh, so that's been one thing. And then I brought this up before, but I just feel like we're in a new era of this. But we've been continuing on with Twins Peak at a more rapid pace recently. And Twins Peak was a really... Twin Peaks. Oh, sorry, Twins Peak. <laughs> Twins Twin. Peak. It's one singular peak Twin. of the... So <laughs> so uh, for Twin Peaks. And it was such a slow go for us for a while, but like very invested in that now because it's just been absolutely bonkers and there's been something that jamie and i have both heard independently from independent sources about like the second season having slumps and like the worst episode in the middle of people being like it's still like a fantastic show but obviously like these episodes are really bizarre and i feel like we just hit a slump from what i could tell on imdb Weird choices getting made yeah, on the first scene of the e- episode in this slump. There were two songs playing simultaneously for like five minutes. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why. With very different moods. Different, it was like at a funeral or a wake, I guess. And it was like a like jazzy tune that they do whenever they're like investigating clues. But also this really like sad music that they play when obviously there's like really melodramatic stuff going on. I was like, why? Why are they doing this? What's going on? Do I just not get Twin Peaks anymore? It, like one song would get louder sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was like depending on who the characters are. But regardless, I'm still fascinated. We both have agreed that like the worst episode episodes can probably be as like fascinating of a ride as like yeah it's a weird show a really well done know. episode so anyway those have been a couple that have been going on and uh with that a little bit of a longer beginning but hey it's episode okay. 32 beer night this happened yeah. last time we were committed to a I'm, long i'm ep- already done with my first beer we're getting two beers going we're gonna fight about jimmy we're gonna oh, f- let's <laughs> fight about. I don't. I'm ready to fight about anyone. <laughs> we're gonna fight about Jimmy Snowman. Uh, uh, so yeah, with that, we're gonna transition on into our discussion on the second half of Danny's choice, Oryx and Crake. Uh, great. Quick summary. Uh, Danny's screen so- transitions on her <laughs> on her face. Let me pull my <laughs> notes. Hold on, I have a long list of notes um, for this. Um, So uh, I think we left off uh, at Jimmy graduating uh, high school. Um, Around that time, Jimmy uh, graduates high school. Craig goes to like this very famous like science institute, basically. Um, And Jimmy goes to like a very like, you know, like a lesser known, um, not impressive college. And basically, like, we see Jimmy's life kind of devolve. He, um, you know, starts, like, working for things that he doesn't believe in. He's, like, in marketing, basically. Uh, Marketing things that he, um, you know, that he feels, like, morally ambiguous about. Um, And um, despite, you know, being somebody, like, the irony, you know, is that, like, despite being somebody who, like, loves words and loves, loves, like, claims to, like, love literature, he's, like, basically just, like, writing bullshit for you know like um different like products um meanwhile like crake is succeeding at um this like world famous like science like like institution um 
And um, like we see their paths cross, I think, uh, I think just a few chapters in, like Craig comes to visit Jimmy um, and um, they, you know, they, they basically like fall back into their old like um, patterns um their old habits and they play games together um and or maybe it's when jimmy goes and visits craig at some point um he you know sees how beautiful everything is he sees how fancy like this institution is and he also continues to feel like everything is kind of morally ambiguous to him like um at craig's um university um like you know they're genetically modifying um everything pretty much um they're doing like very unethical like testing um and jimmy like feels very out of place because not only is he like described you know craig describes him as like neurotypical um but um you know he's not a genius so he feels very like out of place but also he seems to be the only person like in this institution with craig that like is like questioning anything um and so he starts like we see jimmy's progression into like um uh, being very concerned about like what Craig is doing, but also like not really understanding how to deal with it. Um, and at the same time, um, we see uh, snowman's flashbacks. Um, well, those are snowman's uh, flashbacks, but in his real, you know, in his real time, um, he is trekking basically like back to the compound. Um, and um, he like has some mishaps. Um, he has to get away from some pigoons. <laughs> uh, and, um, he basically like, you know, talks us through what the aftermath of like, whatever, we still don't know at this point, like, you know, what kind of like plague and or like pandemic happened, um, Oof. to wipe, throwing out the to P, wipe everybody throwing out. Throwing out the P word. Oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say pandemic, panoramic. <laughs> uh, some kind of, uh, you know, parallelogram, um, <laughs> just sum it out. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, we still don't know like what the what this you know we don't know if it was like a, a we don't, we really don't know it's like a plague of some kind we just um, are not sure um, and so Jimmy finally make, a snowman finally makes it back and like the stories cross basically at this point where he has uh, he he comes upon the bodies of Oryx and Crake um, outside the compound um, and um, his flashback um, you know um, intersects with this moment. Um, in basically into, you know, like he is the one we, we find out he is the one who kills, um, Crake and Crake is the one who kills Oryx. Um, and, um, he eventually like makes, uh, makes his way, um, back to, uh, the Krakers, um, in like, you know, in the regular timeline, um, he makes his way back to the Krakers and, um, it ends with uh, with basically like the Krakers telling him that like, hey, while you were gone, some but some people like you, like we we interacted with some people like you, and he was like, I don't understand, uh, and um, he you know tries to make a decision about whether or not he's going to interact with the, with you know these uh, humans, these non Krakers, um, but the book ends before we find out, um, and obviously like we talked about. Um, Last episode, this book is the first of a trilogy, um, which, you know, makes sense. It sort of ends on a cliffhanger. Um, but that brings me to, like, my first question to both of you. Like, uh, how do you feel about, like, this book sort of ending on this cliffhanger versus, like, Rabbit Run, for instance, which is the first in a series um, that, like, acts as, like, a standalone, um, a standalone book? I didn't really mean to choose two books that were part of a series, uh, <laughs> but... Um, I felt like they were both really different, so I wondered what your impressions uh, of this one was. 
Um, yeah, I was I was pretty disappointed with the ending. I'll be honest. I uh, I got to the ending, and then this whole whole book felt like a prologue of like, oh, okay, so like this is the real thing that's happening is he's gonna meet these people, um, and we don't see any of that, which I think is disappointing. Um, do I have anything else to say about that? I don't know. I do. I agree that Rabbit Run like stands on its own more as a novel and a full story. I think that the flashbacks in this are a nice story in and of themselves. And I was much more interested in those than I was in like Jimmy's musings while he's walking through the desolate land. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I expected something more to happen at the end than what happened. Um, where we're just kind of like, he's about to go talk to these people or do whatever. Um, yeah, and then it just ends. We don't even just, know if he decides to go and talk to them. <laughs> yeah, it just sort of stops, which I I didn't love. I was kind of like, oh, it's it's over. Okay. Yeah, it was a weird ending. Uh, it it as far as like even a cliffhanger, I felt like it could have gotten to like more of a point that led into like the next action to be taken. Because as you said, Danny, we don't even know necessarily, you know, what his decision is going to be. Like the last sentences, or I guess the last two. Zero hours, snowman thinks, time to go after looking at his watch. And we don't really know if that means, like, going to talk to them. And, and you know, that's fine. It is, it is you know, a strategy for the cliffhanger. And it, you know, does allow us to wonder what's going to happen. But I feel like there are more powerful ways to, like, lead into, you know, whatever thing comes next that draws you to want to figure that out. Uh because at the very least, like while this does flow in and does have that prologue-y uh, feeling to it, it still does like encompass an entire story of like Oryx and Craig from you know his relationships with them until their death, and like that's mm-hmm. fine. But yeah, it just kind of was a weird uh, point to get to that. I think it was like forty pages before the end there, and that's when we start getting. Uh, Jimmy Snowman <laughs> coming back and getting into this next section and for how much time there was to build all of this story I feel like the development of these extra people could have happened before like that wisp of smoke that he saw in the air like I feel like that would have been something that would have made it feel more like oh well we got to get to the bottom of that for book two but as it stands it kind of like falls into this feeling of like I had a really good idea and good world building for the most part like it was an interesting world to kind of like see how she put it together but like that there was this tacked on thing like okay we explained all of that we explained the parallelogram (laughs) pandemic and (laughs) and and now there's, there's these other people like that was kind of a interesting choice to me um but like i think it is still interesting and there's still much to learn 
you know, as the Mad Adam trilogy and we're, you know, learning who those people are toward the end here. Like that could be interesting to see um, how that group develops. But yeah, the ending was just a little weird from that standpoint. But um, yeah, definitely different from Rabbit Run where like it could have just been like its own book for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think that there were a lot of instances where like I'd feel upset if I never read the other ones because like that whole story is just like that is what it is and there's no cliffhanger there. I also, I don't know if either of you did this. I looked at this, like, not the synopsis, or kind of, I don't know, whatever the the quick breakdown of the sequel, it, like a quick summary on Goodreads or whatever. Uh, and it looks like the sequel doesn't involve Jimmy at all. Like, I think it's just the background story of the people he's about to meet. And then the third book is when they come together, which I honestly I got that vibe though that like Jimmy's story could almost be done, and but that's like I didn't know that, but like I, I got that vibe happens. a little bit as the story was going on of like, does Jimmy even matter now? Like yeah, because the you know the Crakers are off, starting to feel things <laughs> for the first yeah, the, time. The the Crakers are like praying to our god at this point yeah. that is I mean Jimmy. as far as we know yeah. and it's Jim, Jimmy. Jimmy's going to be the trifecta here of of Oryx, Crake and Snowman. That's going to be a nice symbol <laughs> for their religion, the triangle, easy to craft like like a father son holy spirit yeah, kind exactly. of situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> new, new Christianity, whatever that be. And they're you, just they're and just, this is just a metaphor for <laughs> yeah. Christianity. Yeah, the, the, this is the Adam and Eve story. Uh, Mad Adam and yeah, and Eve. I think I think, uh, I think, like, the ending is what made it feel the most YA of all of it. Like, I remember, like, reading these kinds of books in, like, even, like, elementary school where I was just, like, like, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm referring to, like, The Giver, but, like, but I, it, it reminds me of The Giver sort of in that way. Um, but, you know, where you, like, it almost is like it's setting you up to read like 10 books in a series or something, kind of like an Artemis Fowl situation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where like, uh, you know, by like, you know, by the time you've gotten to like the eighth book, you like don't even remember, like the first book doesn't even matter anymore. It's just like world building. Um, so I felt a little cheated by the end because I did really feel like this book was like, um, like, building like just like world building sort of like setting the stage uh and I don't I don't love that like I think Jamie I think you mentioned earlier something that I I wish this book like maybe would have been um which is that the story of just like um Jimmy's flashback I I think that mm -hmm. the flashback could have just been its own story I'm really like not as interested in um you know like the the Jimmy isn't really doing anything that interesting um and I don't know. I think that um, it would have been much more interesting to go back and like go into detail about like um, there were so many things I had questions about, like them playing like Extinctathon ends up like sort of becoming an actual like it, it sort of like dealt like uh, melds into like real life at some point. Um, and like like Craig sort of like starts taking that game they used to play like as gospel. I don't know. I just think that there were so many things and maybe they go into that detail like later. So many things about like Craig's parents and Jimmy's parents and, you know, so much the plea blands. Like I was so interested in what the hell was going on out there. Like, I don't know. I felt like there was a lot more detail that like in this world already could have been explored. 
Yeah, I almost feel like it would have, I would have been more engaged if it had been just like a linear story told in that way. Because I, whenever it got to like a chapter that was mostly just snowman and the Krakers, I was kind of like, all right, yeah, okay, your foot is hurting, whatever. (laughs) I don't care. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) I like, and also, I mean, even Jimmy, snowman, man, um, (laughs) I was so frustrated with him, like two thirds three-fourths through the book when he finds that radio and hears people talking and then he leaves it somewhere and he's like oh well like he doesn't yeah, even okay. care <laughs> i have i have two okay i have i have something related to that i have a question about that i have two things that i think were like what is that thing the gun where you leave you, you have to you have to refer back you have to wrap up the story of something Chekhov's if you gun. bring it in yes mm. like so the radio is one of them because Jimmy finds a radio. He hears somebody speaking Russian. Like he's the only human left within like millions of miles, apparently. And he hears another human and then he escapes. the ne- He gets drunk, falls asleep, escapes the next day and then realizes as he's escaping that he forgets the like the walkie talkie. And then it's just like not never talked about again. Yeah, it's just, like, and it's like one line, too, where he's like, shit forgot the radio and i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> yeah that's not the, a way to wrap this up he I was wondered, in like, danger oh he could have gone a back stressed I, out a, a couple of pigs <laughs> sorry uh, uh, pig the, goons Jamie, the radio pig goons. the radio also like i don't know i just feel like it was it was like planted there and then it was just like oh my god are there other people like are that what's happening is he maybe not the only person left in the whole world like what is going it on should we have don't been know. a much bigger deal to him than it was yeah it was a it was a literal like even if even if he had like risked his life to go back to get the radio i feel like that would have been an important few pages but he just leaves it second thing second thing i have a question about um at the at the end of his um Basically, after he, like, shoots Crake, Oryx is dead. Most people are dead, I think, at this point. He's inside the compound. He, like, writes a note explaining everything that happened, and then he just, like, crumples it up and throws it on the ground. And, like, I know it was probably supposed to be symbolic, but, like, what is the point? Like, he basically just, like, explains everything, um... But it's almost like, simultaneously, he's, like, hoping there are people out there, but also, like... But like understanding that there probably aren't. I don't know. Did you guys make anything of that? I I felt a similar way. I was kind of just like, why this feels important? Like maybe you should be able to document what's happening. I don't know. I I know Jimmy didn't ask for this job, but I feel like he's being wildly irresponsible. <laughs> I just yeah, I don't I don't think that Jimmy cares about anything. Like I don't I don't know. It's like he's acting like he cares about the Krakers or about whatever. Like Craig tells him right before he kills Oryx of like, don't let us down or something, but that doesn't mean anything. And I also don't know what his purpose is. <laughs> like, Well, the Krakers weren't well-developed either, like in the past story. Like I know that uh, Krake had said, you know, what their reason for development was as far as like, you know, they're getting rid of all the bad parts of humanity, but but that seems to be like, the brainchild of Craig and the importance is with Craig. So why is it so important to carry this on? If it was just like, 
the musings of this guy. Who's a madman. Yeah, who's literally like, like who literally set off like a massacre of the entire world. It's a so, genocide. Okay. <laughs> That's another thing that like was not explained is that like Craig goes from like sort of just like being a very smart person at like his university. And then like a few years later when he takes Jimmy out, like basically gets him a job at rejuvenescence or renew you or whatever the hell it's called. Um, <laughs> like he gets, he gets Jimmy a job. And then <laughs> what? Renew you, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> I agree. I don't care about all the names. No, the names were distracting and bad and dumb. I thought they were dumb. Yeah, um, I agree that they're dumb. But, um, like, he gets Jimmy a job, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, a few years later or a few months later, Craig is just, like, a mastermind who wipes out the fucking entire world. Like, I just, Jimmy says something that is so funny. He says something like, he starts to realize, like, just uh, just how important Craig must be. And I'm like, how Im- is he the ruler of the universe? <laughs> like, he he seems like he has so much power and I, I, one thing that really bothered me throughout the entire book is that like, we're not put into any context. Like we don't, we don't, the, the, the world is not put into context in any way. We don't understand like other countries. We don't know like, uh, like barely even other cities. Like we don't know what's going on. So like, I don't know. I, this is not a podcast yeah. episode where I just rant about everything, but I'm just, <laughs> it could be, uh, but, I, but I think that's where like the plea bland also going back to like the underdevelopment of that too become such a problem because then like when they do actually go out there for the first time like it's been this whole thing Mm -hmm. like we have all these guards and like it's such a big deal like we got to separate it out and then you go out to this thing that's essentially like new york city Times square that's it like just and and everybody's present day new york city and everybody's just doing stuff like it's not like i know that there are these you know glimpses into like things that are off in a dystopian way obviously like they have to take some medicine to be able to like protect themselves but like you'd think there'd be such a greater degradation of society overall that like it just kind of threw off the whole balance of like why all this is going on, why the compounds even came to be, why like Craig's importance is important to this world. Like it just didn't make sense when we got to a reveal of the other side of it. Like it was such a weird thing to see that. And it was just like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I know, I know the disease was a big deal, but like it wasn't that big of a deal. As far as society goes. I, like, as a preface, I respect Margaret Atwood as an author. <laughs> but um, I, it feels... I, I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like someone's first attempt at dystopia, where they're, like, kind of pretentious in college, and they're like, oh, the real dystopia was our, our world all along, like, present day. <laughs> Like, oh, well, cool. So, so, so also, like, we find out that, like, when that happens, when Craig takes Jimmy out, like, he basically, like, vaccinates him against, like, the plebeians, and then is also just like, hey, this is, like, because we're going to get sex workers and we don't want you to get, like, diseases. And, like, uh, on the one hand, like, I don't know. I, I, you're right. Like, it wasn't the, it wasn't the complete societal corruption that I was expecting. And and also, 
like there was really no tie between this this like city that they visit and like what we experienced when we like learned about Oryx and Mm -hmm. her experience um because that society seemed very different from um from this one like I don't know I I I I thought that was weird It, it seemed that like um the world that like or the the situation Oryx grew up in like felt very um I don't know, much more sort of like fucked than this one did. Mm -hmm. And so this one just like felt kind of normal. But Jimmy has this realization where he's like, you know, um, nothing out here is as terrible as I was led to believe. Um, And so like that is at least a moment of self-awareness where he maybe realizes that like maybe like, you know, the the people who are being controlled are not the people on the outside. They're the people like on the inside. But still, like, that whole idea is, like, kind of underdeveloped. Like, we don't even really know still why, like, how we don't, like, we don't know how the compounds, like, practically how they came to be. We know sort of the before and the after, but, like, the middle section of that, like, is not really explained. Yeah, and even the fact that, like, the Plebelands are all visible, too. Like, the deception doesn't even make sense as far as, like... You know, you could say the media, the media did it. But, like, you, they actively can see these large swaths of society over the walls, depending on where you're at. Yeah. And it never really becomes that clear that, like, things are going crazy, like, things are on fire, things are falling apart. Like, they should be able to see all of that if it's as, like, vibrant as it was said to be in that Times Square-esque area that's visible at night. Like it just doesn't make sense that anybody could have even been that fooled to that degree. Also, like that was just a weird thing to, to balance out once that realization came, I suppose. And just to talk about Oryx for a second too, I thought that like Oryx as a character felt a little wasted that like we didn't get more from her perspective and like, we didn't get mm-hmm. development from her when she came around either. Like that was kind of a disappointing yeah. thing where I was like, well, what was she for? Like she's still just like a sex kitten. Essentially her, her mystery and her build up life. didn't feel like it had that much of a payoff. And- I also felt like I had this like revelation, like near the end that like, I mean, Oryx was like brought in to like sort of teach and nurture like the Krakers, um, in the com in the compound. Um, but, like Oryx herself is a is a craker. Like Oryx is essentially like I mean she's a human, but like she <laughs> this, is, this this just feels like a heady <laughs> I mean she so so Oryx I was just was like the craker all of us. Aren't we all crakers? <laughs> Are we all crakers? <laughs> the craker was all of us. <laughs> but like like Oryx thinks that Crake is a god essentially. Like she mm-hmm. she were almost like worships his like mind. She like is pretty submissive. Um she like doesn't really like talk about having like that much of a past. Um and she doesn't seem to like feel things very strongly. And also, like she has a very high sex drive when it comes to Jimmy. It just she reminds me of a craker. So like part of the reason that like I feel like Cra- like Crake is I don't even know if he's attracted to her. I don't know what he is because he's also like a chaotic character. But like, you know, he's presented as just like sort of this just like sexless genius, <laughs> like who like 
you know, can't be bothered with like jokes or sex or like whatever else. But can and, be like, bothered with genocide. <laughs> it's true. Like, like it's so it's so insane to me. Like, I feel like the danger of Crake didn't really like come through as much as it should have. Because like, you know, Crake like talks about how like, oh, like they don't need jokes. They don't. LOL. He like is very casual about so many things. And then like, we'll just wipe out an entire civilization. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I guess like, I don't know. We, I want to talk about, talk more about Oryx, but I feel like she was, uh, again, like kind of underdeveloped because like she sort of only existed in the context of Crake or Jimmy. And then like, you know, she didn't really have her own story. Jimmy also suspects at one point that like Oryx is humoring him when he's asking her about her past. So I don't know. Like, why is it so significant that Jimmy is obsessed with the fact that Oryx is the girl that he saw like so many years ago? Like, why? Why does that matter? Yeah. Also, I don't know. First of all, I don't know why it matters. I don't think it does. I think that his obsession with Oryx is creepy as fuck. I hated reading about it because every time he was like, oh, that little naked girl when I was fucking 13. The fact that that was the tie in the entire time, like. For a while, they, was, they were still young and it was still a problem. Then it became a big problem because it never it's ended. So there was gross. no other connection apart from that. Yeah, and it's just like, and they both, like, Jimmy and Crake keep this image of her when she's, like, a weird sex worker as an eight-year-old or whatever. And it's, why, like, why do we keep bringing that up? Crake, Crake even when he's in college specifically asks for a sex worker who looks like or like this picture of Oryx and like he doesn't even specify an older version like he just says I want somebody who looks like this like I I don't know Oryx seems extremely problematic and I don't really understand like why I don't understand why she's here I don't understand why um her name is in the title of this book like because it seems to me that like the only reason is that like Jimmy, you know, continues to sort of like tell the Crakers that Oryx is a benevolent sort of like mothering, nurturing. Yeah, she's figure. a goddess now. I think that that's fine. That that's a part that I still like about it as far as the development of them after the fact. Like I think Crake and or not Crake, Crake's development was fine as far as like he's a problematic person, but like his development as a character was fine overall. But I do like that part of it that they became the deities. That was something that I still said that I liked the first time and that I still like as a developmental piece of like an interesting angle in a book to have a religion being created real time. Like that's a really unique angle that I did like. So I'll just throw that. I just wish that we'd had more. I mean, it's what, essentially what we already said, but like more, more of a breakdown about like why Jimmy is so obsessed with her like Oryx specifically and what what her significance is in the storyline because like sure she comes in and teaches the Krakers yeah how does she get in that position what is her what is her special characteristic that makes her like the best at that why does Craig pick her why other than like he has a weird pedophilic attraction to her like I don't understand there are also so many opportunities for us to learn about Oryx's past. And she just like something Oryx is shady as fuck. Like she like she won't talk about her past. 
she like maybe makes it up like when Jimmy asks about it um which like uh, again like leads me to this weird like I know that she existed before this but it like almost feels like her lack of having any context in the world like makes me feel like she was just created like the Krakers were like I don't know I don't really like I don't really understand like why um I, I have a feeling like later in the series like you know Jimmy might realize that like Crake had way more control and like way more to do with like all of the consequent or like all of the things that happened in Jimmy's life like way before Jimmy like suspected you know Crake's like involvement in like <laughs> the development of society <laughs> like I don't know I Crake seems very important, but he's dead now. And I don't really understand, like, what to do with that. I honestly think that I, here's the thing. I, maybe someday I'll read the other books. Probably not. But if, if it gets to a point in, like, the third book and there's this huge reveal that Oryx was, in fact, created by Crake just in the image of that little girl that they saw, that might be interesting. And that might explain why she's such a dull character. Yeah. But I don't know that that's anything that is actually happening. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I I wanted so badly to, like, uh, for the second half of this book to go somewhere like very significant and I just like was kind of disappointed I'm that's not to say that I don't like Margaret Atwood's storytelling because I think she's very important <laughs> and I think she's a very important person um <laughs> but I I'm surprised at like the like when comparing it to Handmaid's Tale um I don't know I'm surprised I Handmaid's Tale was obviously like a big deal for a reason <laughs> and like, I don't agree with, like, the assessment that this book is majestic per the back cover of this book. There are um, so many quotes on the back of our book that I'm just like, I, what? I Well, but but there are still things, like, just, just to have the other perspective of, like, stuff that I did like. Like, I, it wasn't a total wash. There was just a lot of these things that, like, because it built up in such a way, especially, like, you put a lot of risk when you do this convergence of timelines uh, like it, it has to come to a really spectacular meeting point. And I think that like, that's something that I think is still resonating with like me talking about it now and potentially with you guys as well. But like just the fact that that happened so much later in the story and that like that part of it felt like somewhat of a miss, but like there was a lot of engaging stuff and like, I thought there was a lot of talent in the world building, maybe not necessarily with the naming conventions of what was going on. And this was actually an interesting thing that I saw that is unrelated to this, but like helped me realize what made it seem so off-putting as far as the names were concerned. There's a game that just came out, Cyberpunk 2077, and they have like instructions on different aspects of the game and like explanations of the legalese that's done in the cyberpunk way. And a lot of people were off put by that because it was like overdone where cyberpunk, like it's sprinkled in with like these words that are a little bit, you know, off and created in this universe itself and all this slang and whatnot. But like everyone was complaining that it was so heavy handed 
And it felt like that was kind of the case in this book where everything was so heavy handed and kind of like in your face of like, get it. It's a combination of these things or get it. It's a new you. But like regardless, aside from the naming conventions, the world itself was still very interesting of of like how it functioned, how like all of these different corporations came together and like you know, all of the espionage and like how everybody is using this technology in really malicious ways. Like that all was still interesting. Um, so it's not to say that like the whole book was a total wash. And the other thing that I want to bring up as well is that a lot of times in like YA in particular, this is like a trope that's been called out on Twitter. A lot is like the, the classic, like, she was beautiful, but didn't know it. And like all these different like (laughs) characteristics of the main protagonist where it's like, they have these flaws that are like wink, wink flaws, but they're like pretty flawless heroic characters. I did like that side of it where, uh, Jimmy wasn't that. I think that that like was kind of an interesting angle that like we didn't get to the end. And Jimmy just like all of a sudden was very altruistic and we're like, cool, Jimmy, like it's worth following along with. I thought that was an interesting angle as well, even though I don't necessarily think I'm all that sold on Jimmy. I'd like that to get explored more in dystopian novels where we don't necessarily have to have like this YA dystopia of like the Katniss Everdeen of like, again, those those similar tropes. I think that that's been stale for a long time for me and what keeps me from reading YA. And that, that was kind of a fresh take here. So I at least wanted to throw those out in the midst of all of these other like sides of it that those things still did stand out to me. But the reason I'm feeling so visceral about it now is because of the way it came together near the end that I felt like that was a miss. So I just wanted to throw those out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you for the most part. Um, I think I just, don't sound so I, dejected. About I know, I'm, trying to just, I'm trying to think of everything you just said and I don't know. I, I enjoyed reading the book. Like, it was a quick read, and it felt like YA. Um, I I think that I'm still... I understand that, like, Jimmy is maybe kind of a unique character to be the narrator for this type of novel, but I still feel like he's, like... He's a voice that I've heard over and over again in, like, maybe not in a YA context, but, like... Sure, yeah. He's... He's just like an unremarkable man. <laughs> and I I I just am not that I'm not invested in him. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying in the context of the story. I'm not saying that's yeah. why I'm saying I'm not sold on Jimmy himself, but like I'm sold on like the characteristics of a protagonist not needing to be this against all odds hero. But yeah. I agree. I agree with that, though, for sure. Yeah, like we he's also, just not a new. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I you know I agree with you. Like, I you said this at the beginning of the of the episode. Like, Jimmy doesn't Jimmy doesn't care about anything. Like, I think I think I was really disappointed with. I think part of the reason that I feel so strongly about this is because I had really high hopes for this book, and like, I I want to revisit just a, for a second, like what we talked about in the last episode. Um, which is that, like, I wonder if either of you, like, if your feelings have changed um, when we, like, we addressed very briefly, like, like, whether or not 
you know, this book coming out in like 2003 versus 2020, like I feel a little bit desensitized a little bit. Like yeah. They, they, yeah. there were, there were things that were happened in this book where I feel like, yes, if I were reading this, like as like my age in 2003, I would be like, that's horrifying. But like most of this is happening like currently. And so I feel a little bit like all the way a, down like to a li- the parallelograms. <laughs> I like like yeah. all, like all the way down to like literally we are in the middle of what ha- what ended the world in this book. And yeah. so I don't know. I am like uh maybe I just feel a little jaded, but I just kind of feel like like I don't know that the shock value is as effective 17 years later. Like, I feel a little bit like, wow, like, you know what? Like, this is already kind of happening. We already have, like, corporations that have campuses. Like, they might as well be called compounds. Like, um, I don't know. I I don't think that means it was ineffective. Um, but I was continuing to, like, wish for more specifics. Like, I feel like um, in 2003, like... Yes, just being like, oh, this corporation lied about its products, like, was was bad. And, like, now I'm just like, no, that happens all the time, constantly. And so, we like, expect that. Like, actually, I know that most corporations are lying about it, their products. And so I feel kind of like I wanted a lot more detail. Like, I wanted a lot more like, okay, like, what exactly is making this world so bad? What is making the, co- like, what are the compounds really out to do, like, what is, you know, what is Craig's motivation? And maybe, you know, maybe it'll be answered later. Like, I I am going to, I, I'd like to finish the trilogy. I um, am interested in, like, reading the rest of the books. Um, so I, I'll report back. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm invested in the story. But I, I just think, I think part of the reason that I feel, um, I just feel bummed because I, I, I had higher hopes for it, I think. Yeah, there was a specific part when it was talking about, like, you know, Craig's, master plan and everybody getting sick really suddenly and like the actual you know panoramic happening (laughs) um (laughs) they it mentioned specifically like entire cities went on quarantine and i was like yes that's a that's a tuesday cool dude (laughs) Yeah, no. We already do that. Crazy, man. Like, oh, oh, Margaret Atwood, do you think that that's impressive? (laughs) (laughs) A whole country went on lockdown? Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. That that is a very unfortunate thing about reading it right now, for sure. It's just such a weird perspective to have. I don't know. But I am glad to read it now for that. Like, it was interesting to, like, be immersed in that to some degree, because obviously it's, like, not... 100% 100% the same, but, like, to have some feeling of what that would feel like was interesting. But, yeah, I, I think that context for sure, like, aids with it that, like, maybe if we did get to the climax of it, that it would, like, maybe be more like, oh, my God. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. I think it would feel way different if I weren't reading it in the middle That's of a pandemic. pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> pretty nuts, We're dude. just like, yeah, no, this constantly happens all the time. <laughs> this is very normal. Yeah. Which, like, maybe uh, that means she's a genius and she predicted the future. I respect maybe, Margaret Atwood. I can't underline enough how much I respect <laughs> Margaret Maybe it means I'm a genius because I chose this book nine months ago. Right. And... Maybe here we are. <laughs> oh boy. You did this. Uh I okay, we're <laughs> I want to get into I mean we kind of already did, but I want to get into final thoughts. Like uh what's a 
give me a summary. How are you feeling? <laughs> give me a summary. <laughs> Here's how, a summary of the entire book. How are you feeling? <laughs> a summary of how you're feeling. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's trade summaries to make sure Danny got hers right. <laughs> this is the last check for the season. Um, uh, summary of how I'm feeling. I don't know. I um, I will say that I read the second half of this book mostly in like two days. Like I got through it really quickly because I was invested in what was happening like and genuinely when uh crake slit oryx's throat i like audibly gasped yeah that was surprising i was like oh shit (laughs) what's going on um i yeah i don't i think that it's an it's an interesting story and i probably would have really really loved it if i had read it Eight years ago, um, I don't specifically. I just <laughs> 2012 hit different, you know. I I really feel like if I were that's it feels like YA to me. I feel like if I had read it when I was a teenager, I would have liked it so much better. Um, but I think that there's a lot missing from the character development. Uh, I would maybe read the second book. But also, I was really turned off reading the synopsis when it was suddenly like, oh, no, Jimmy's not here. Um, And maybe that's wrong. Maybe it gets into them meeting Jimmy. But it sounds like it's just the background of the people on the beach. He'd have to be involved. I Like, it ending like it does, there'd be no way that Jimmy is not involved, especially because the Krakers are such a significant buildup that they would say something about him also. The synopsis did not <laughs> indicate that. It's, it genuinely sounded like it was, like, background information about these people on the beach, and then the third book was when they met. Mm. Like, it felt like it skipped a book, this storyline. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, because I just read it very briefly, but... Uh, maybe I would read them on an airplane. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Whenever that happens. A scientific vibe. Yeah, that's a very strategic. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm ever on an airplane again. (laughs) Prerequisite to being able to read this book. In the middle of our parallelogram. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's I that's how I feel. I'll say that it's not in my top three books. Hey. <laughs> for next time. Save it for the pod. It's not in the top three. For next, this is the pod, for, friend. For, for next pod. <laughs> is that enough of a final thought? Yeah. Cool. That so. was a great thought. <laughs> uh, I think just echoing the early sentiments, there was a lot that hooked me on this book that you know, just kept it flowing along despite some of these other setbacks throughout the story, like with the naming conventions and these underdeveloped moments. I thought the world building was fairly interesting, especially, you know, considering uh, when it was written, like that's fairly early within the internet age. Like think of some of the websites you were on in 2003. Didn't look like they did. I was not on the internet. (laughs) Okay. I I was a... I was on a little earlier I than I should to some of these third sides. Grade. Yeah, I was on. <laughs> I had I had social media in elementary school. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I early might have media. been on Neopets. Maybe. Did you have a Zanga? Oh, I had a Zanga for sure. But did you have a Zanga at age nine? Uh, I had a Zanga too early. I'll just say that. 
So anyway, <laughs> if you think of the websites that were around there, like it is pretty miraculous that this feels so relatable to us in 2020. Like that's a pretty miraculous thing that the writing is so accurate to that degree that like all of the, you know, different paths that the future of the internet could have gone into from that point in time. Like this is a pretty, you know, remarkable thing that it ended here. And it's like, yep, that's pretty spot on. Unfortunately, pandemic spot on like all that. It's pretty spot on and pretty nuts. Uh, but unfortunately it was just marred by these various instances of like, why did all of this build up for certain characters like with Oryx? Why did all of this build up to this point in time with Jimmy? You know, that just kind of set it back a little bit and it's just hard to judge it too much when it is part of a series, you know, could be answered book two, book three, but do you think that at one at would does or well better? I don't okay. at this particular at this particular moment for Oryx and Craig. But <laughs> but you know, it's just it's just hard to judge it to that degree because with a lot of other series that are in the YA genre, despite having this larger narrative, like one of my favorites from when I was a kid was the Hidden Children series. There's the Shadow Children. Or the Shadow series. Children. So there were like seven. Oh, fuck. Seven. That series slaps. Slaps. It slaps <laughs> so hard. It's, I want to reread it, that series. I have read, <laughs> Let's read it now. I've read multiple of those books. <laughs> Next season Next is shit. just but, Shadow but, That series so, slaps. So, man, I just brought up some freaking. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a market haddocks. If you're listening. Okay. But, but, here's, <laughs> but here's the broader point with that is that like that was a longer series that had this big arc. But each of those stories felt like they were able to tell what they needed to tell within each of those books. And that was a longer story to tell that wrapped up in such a great way that incorporated everything you'd learned up to that point. So the fact that like, we're not necessarily hitting that here, it does feel like a miss a God, little those bit. Those books were so good. Yeah. So, so like just in comparison to other series of that nature, and those were pretty like for YA, those were getting into some pretty heavy subject matter as well. So, you know, there is some precedence for it same time period even to some degree and thinking about when those books were released and everything so i don't know i think that that's just kind of what i was thinking of once i got to the end of this of like okay like i can give it some leeway because it's in a series but also like i know other series that have been able to do this in a more uh graceful way i suppose so i'm not going to write it off because like could redeem itself but like you know it is a series but i can't necessarily give it all of the points back because of that either but overall enjoyable read overall impressive that the vision of the future was pretty freaking accurate yeah i hadn't thought about it like that like now that i now that you say that it is very impressive that i wasn't like that impressed by her assessment of this book like of the world in 2003 like it's it's very impressive like um what she was like sort of able to see happening. Um, I don't think necessarily that like it's a requirement for every single book in a series to stand alone um, as its own story. But I don't think cliffhangers are super necessary, um, especially if you're not going for like a YA kind of book. 
which like I don't think this is classified as YA. Like I think I don't think so. It's it's not. So like um There's no way. There's I, too much like real explicit. Well, I don't shit know. Like on. I mean, I actually I think Shadow the Shadow Children like that's what I that's like maybe what I was thinking about when I was like reading this book. Like that's um those are the kind like I loved reading those kinds of books when I was younger and um I I feel like I almost wish like this series were split up into like 10 smaller books because um I wanted more detail like I um I can I can appreciate um like her foresight almost but some of it fell flat and I I wanted more detail pretty much the entire time I had so many questions um I I appreciated like Jimmy's character development but I still had a lot of questions about his past and I don't think that like any of the other characters you know really got the same sort of attention that he did like remotely at all um I do want to read the rest I requested the second book from the library as we were recording this podcast <laughs> on the joke, um, <laughs> and and also like you said like it's a fast read it's like you know, I, I I want to, like, know what happens in the story. Like, I'm very curious, like, what happens in the rest of this world. After reading the synopsis of the second book, like, I have a suspicion that Jimmy <laughs> doesn't matter um, as much as we think that he does. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm a little disappointed. But, you know, reading Margaret Atwood is never, like, a bad thing. Like, I didn't waste my time. Um, I, uh, I, this book, like, definitely kept my attention. Um, and I, I'm interested to, like, you know, see like how the rest of the world like plays out. I want to know what happens. Um, I want to know how the world like makes it out of, uh, you know, the, 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 the parallelogram. <laughs> uh, if, if it does, um, you know, because we're also For the sitting hope of here, all like, of us. Please. We're, we're desperately, we're desperately <laughs> hoping that like some world somewhere can make it out of the pandemic. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, it's a, sol- it's a solid three stars for me, but, um, <laughs> But I mean, I, yeah, I agree the, that it's a solid three stars. Yeah. And I think yeah. just to the, just as a brief point, cause we brought it up last time, I think it suffered from the story being split in two that we kind of mentioned that yeah. like the development at the halfway point was like underdeveloped at that point because it was split in two that that might've been a mistake. So as you had mentioned, like splitting it into 10 shorter stories or whatever, giving each storyline it's due, I think. Just to echo that, that I agree with that, that that could have made a stronger overall presentation for sure. Someone who I really, really respect, who I'm friends with on Goodreads, uh, rated this five stars. And um, I'm questioning a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Goodreads. Add them to the back of this book. Brilliant, provocative, sumptuous, and downright terrifying. A book too marvelous to miss. Wow. Majestic. Keeps us on the edge Keeps of our seats. Keeps us on the edge of our <laughs> seats. Yeah, I don't know. I Goodreads is a trip, man. When people rate stuff on Goodreads, <laughs> Goodreads and you're just like Goodreads is a trip, <laughs> man. I I people constantly rate stuff. confounded by your ratings, Danny. <laughs> why? Why are you why? You gave the master and margarita four stars. What the Hey, no, hey, we'll get into it. We'll get into it next. <laughs> We'll get into is it that, next episode. Is that too low? <laughs> That's for you? Low. We'll get into it next oh, okay. episode. All right. Anyway. All right. Um, that's all. Great job, guys. I am not <laughs> scatting us out tonight because I'm pretty sure I did it last time. <laughs> uh, so with that, I did forget to 
bring this up at the beginning. So if you're still here, good job. We get a jump on the rules. We are doing a book giveaway. <laughs> please, please, please still be here. <laughs> you made it through all of that. Now this is the end of the book discussions for season two. That's seven books, two episodes each, 14 eps. We're about to hit 15 for the next one. But we're going to have a giveaway where you have two ways to enter. It's going to be on YouTube, Brian's Book Bastion, and Instagram, Beer Time with Books. At the beginning of next episode, we will say the rules, but you'll be able to comment the answer to whatever it is that we ask. You can enter on Instagram or YouTube. You can only win once, but you can enter twice. Uh, and you'll have a chance to win one of the seven books that we read in season two. So uh, review that list. I think we had a pretty decent season, a pretty uh, big variety. For, for something like. that started into a lot of Southern Gothic and whatnot, we spread a little bit. So uh, yeah. it should be interesting to see who wins and what they choose. Yeah. But great job, guys. Episode 30, two years old. Season two, <laughs> almost rolling out of here. We're almost done with our quarantine season. Who would have freaking thought? We're, we're doing great, guys. <laughs> I was looking for a, not me. <laughs> <laughs> not Look me. Look at us. <laughs> Who would have thought? So uh, with that, We'll be back very soon because we don't have a book to read. Uh, it should be <laughs> should be should be easy for us to just hop on the mic and get this going. But uh, until then, who's scatting us out? Uh, I think Jamie and I did it the last two episodes. So uh, Danny, <laughs> <laughs> it is not me. I definitely did. It I last think episode. it's Jamie. It's fine. I can do it. Okay, Brian always makes fun of me for doing the same scat. She says so this every time. I'm gonna be unique. Andy Bernard We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.